0: Hello, you're listening to No Such Word As Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today I am sitting down with best-selling author of now contemporary fiction Fiona Lucas. However, you might better know her under the pen name of Fiona Harper. Welcome to the podcast, Fiona.
1: Hi Hazel, it's lovely to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to kind of sit down and talk about the ins and outs of author life. Um, so, can you give my listeners just a brief overview of who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, well, I'm. Fiona Lucas at the moment, that's my current pen name and I've been writing romance and women's fiction and rom-coms for 16 years now. Um, In that time I've written for a couple of different lines and imprints and publishers and um, I've had um, won a couple of awards which was really lovely and I've had a Kindle number one bestseller which was definitely a high point. And yeah, I just, you know, keeping going, telling stories. Which book was the Kindle bestseller for? It was a rom-com called The Little Shop of Hopes and Dreams that was out in um, 2014. And I think it hit number one in January 2015 and stayed there for a bit.
0: (laughs) Nice. And um, you've written a lot of books.
1: Yes, I'm just finishing book 28. Um, So... I used to write shorter books. When I first started, I wrote Category Romance. So we're talking like Harlequin, Mills and Boone, Mm. uh, which are much shorter than the books I write now. So they were about 50,000 words. Well, they were supposed to be 50,000 words. I never can write that short. Um, um, (laughs) (laughs) It's always much harder to write
0: less than people think. Once you get started, you know, that first draft can really get up there.
1: I think it depends, doesn't it? I've got some friends who always write short and then have to say, oh, I have to layer stuff in afterwards. And okay. then there's people like me who seem to write double what I need. And then it's like weeding and pruning the garden that's got overgrown and like getting yep. rid of the dead stuff and, mm-hmm. and trimming it down. So it's what you've got left is really useful. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm... the first method would be quicker.
0: <laughs> oh, definitely. I think so. I- I'm the same. I wrote I don't even know. My trilogy is a trilogy because I wrote too much for the first book. I thought it was just going to be one book. And then I was like, no, this is not one book. This is going to have to be three. Uh, When that first draft was getting up to like 150,000 words, I was like, I think I'm going to need to cut this down a bit. Um, But what made you choose to write romance?
1: I think I'm going I'm to going back I was I was a mum with two small children at mm. the time my youngest was two I think when I started writing and um, I was just kind of wanting something to be creative um, yeah. I wasn't didn't know what I was looking for and I had to dream one night and thought about oh that's like a plot for a romantic novel (laughs) Um, you know there was something about it that that kind of just caught me Um, and so I thought oh that's something I can do um, that you know but I don't need babysitters to to write you know and yeah a lot of it is thinking and working stuff out in your own head didn't need special equipment you know pen and paper laptop which I already had Um, so I just got caught by this idea of giving it a go um, and because that first idea was a romance, that's idea. That's kind of where I went. And the more I researched, the more I thought at the time there wasn't anything. Kindle wasn't even a yeah. thing uh, mm-hmm. when I started, so it was a bit harder. You really, unless you were going to. Um, vanity publish which quite often was filled with some of sharks and scammers who would want to take your money and do nothing for you it was a case of finding some way into a traditional publishing route and I knew that Harlequin Mills and Boone would look at unaged in submissions so I started researching them and then it became a bit of a challenge to see could I deliver the kind of book they wanted because you need to do something fresh and original but yeah. at the same time you need to they have different lines and imprints which deliver different kinds of stories and could I write the kind of story that would fit with them but still do what I wanted to do and I kind of I decided that was a good way to kind of get my foot in the door of the publishing industry so I thought let's just give it a go and see what I can do.
0: Yeah so what story did you
1: decide to submit to them in the end? Well not the one I started writing. Funnily enough. Um, although that one did get published later. Um, I did rework it a few, like, few years later and it and it did come out. And that's actually been one of my bestsellers, interestingly enough. Amazing. But I think, um, I don't know about you when you start writing, I think what was in my book was um, probably the hallmarks of what people expect from me now. And that it was quite emotional, but it was also it had some humor in it and I wasn't as I was starting to learn to write I couldn't work out how to get these two things to sit together without it seeming a bit schizophrenic Uh, I couldn't um, it was like either like absolutely sobbing or kind of slapstick and the Mm. the two weren't gelling so I put that book down and I got an idea for a book this is (laughs) you know you want in a romance and a rom-com sometimes you want that, that meet cute you want that kind yeah. of first meeting to be you know something a little bit different a little bit memorable and i was driving um rounds where i live in the rain one day and didn't realize there was like a massive pothole ditch at the side of the road mm-hmm. i mean it looked like a normal road and as i drove through it there was like a wall of water that rose up and just soaked this poor guy on the <gasps> pavement oh no and i was too scared to stop in case he shouted at me <laughs> but afterwards I thought oh I wonder if that would be a good way for a couple to meet yeah whether that would be a good meet cute so I, that's where I started and I went about well what if she's going on a blind date with him and uh, she soaks him and then he doesn't turn up because he's soaking wet and he's had to go home and change or something or something happens yeah. and then it, that's where it carries on so so that was the story I eventually wrote um, and I joined the Romantic Novelists Association that's here in the UK. I'd heard about it online from some of the writers, and I'd been trying to, I don't know about you, i have been trying to get feedback when I was... Mm. before I was published you know talking to other writers you read each other's stuff and because you never know if it's any good
0: like you reread your stuff so much that it doesn't even sound like a story anymore and you get that self-doubt where you're like oh my god this is terrible no one's gonna like it so yeah getting getting that first feedback even if it is just family and friends or like you said fellow writers it's so important
1: yeah, and I, but I found that a lot of writers would say, yeah, yeah, I liked it, but not really. I was thinking, well, I think I need someone now who who knows what they're talking about, maybe who isn't at the same stage I am. Mm-hmm. And then Romantic Novelist Association have a new writer scheme. There's like a 250 places a year, where if you, you add a bit onto your membership fee, um, a published author will critique your book for you. And I thought, well, this sounds like a really good idea. Um, so I sent my book off and, um, was absolutely terrified, um, because I hadn't shown it to anyone apart from my husband, (laughs) who was writing in secret. I hadn't told my friends or anything. I (gasps) I just want them to tell me I've got a little, you know, I'm not barking up the wrong tree. I've got a little bit of potential. Keep going. You might get there if you, you know, in five years or something. Um, so a few weeks later, I got an email to say the, the person who'd read my book had really liked it um and had sent it on at the time they did like a second read if it they thought it was really good okay um and so the scheme organiser gave it a second read and she wrote for Mills and Boone and she said I'm sending it to my editor um oh my
0: goodness I know
1: at which point I was like yay but oh um yeah and, uh, just completely terrified and and I then I didn't hear anything for about five weeks in which I didn't sleep and kind of kept like constantly refreshing my inbox and yeah just panicking um and then the um oh yeah after about five weeks the editor called me up I was supposed to be going to um a party that the the organization was holding their their kind of Christmas party and um that evening and I'd entered a first chapter competition run with Mills and Boone with my first chapter as well Um, And the day before, the editor said she wanted to touch base with me in an email. And I thought, what does that mean? I know, like, (laughs) if an editor wants to call you, that's a good sign. But what does touch base mean? I have no idea. So, I was so nervous waiting for this call the next day that I kind of went through all the emotions until I absolutely flatlined. So, by the time she phoned me, I was completely robotic. Oh, no. <laughs> and she said, um, I was going to tell you at the party tonight, but I've got the flu. So, I thought I'd phone you, but we'd really like to offer you a one book contract. Um, Amazing. At which point I just was like so stunned. And, Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thank you. Yes, I'll take and- it. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>
1: Yeah I know I mean lots of authors are like jumping crying jumping around the room crying screaming and I was just so very British about the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much I'll go and have a cup of tea. (laughs) Yes get better soon. (laughs) So um, and so that's kind of that's what happened that's kind of how I ended up um, writing for Mills and Boone and I wrote 18 books for them over the next few years.
0: Oh my goodness that's amazing. So you kind of went you kind of went straight to getting an editor and a publishing kind of contract without an agent?
1: Yes. Yeah. And actually, um, they still will accept unagented submissions. Um, So if anyone thinks they like uh, writing romance and do research research, because there's lots of different lines everything I mean people think Mills and Boone is all Greek billionaires and you know alpha heroes and it is in one of the lines but there are lots of other different ways of doing it as well there's the kind of home and hearth and the more kind of realistic there's the the sweet ones with the bedroom door is closed there's the ultra spicy ones where anything goes and everything in between including doctors nurses vampires, whatever.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Well, I think that's, you know, that's a really great avenue for anyone out there who kind of has a story and doesn't really know where to go with it, you know, but you have a really good point saying, make sure you're going to those submission guidelines, because that's something that obviously is incredibly important. So you said that you wrote 18 books for them. What is your writing process? How, because obviously you said how you took inspiration from real life events for kind of the first couple of books that you wrote but then you get contracts and you realize very quickly if I want to make some money at this I've got to start turning these books out how do you find well now it's like 28 ideas but at that point how do you find 18 different ideas to turn into a book
1: I don't know I think after you start writing I don't know if you find this that um I feel like I've got what I call my story antenna like little alien things <laughs> on my head that mm-hmm. I'll I'll see something on a TV program in a situation and thought oh what would I do or how would that be different if this happened instead of that or I'll get an idea for a character or I'll read a news headline or read a, a story that has got something interesting in it that just kind of twangs my story antenna yeah. and it could be a setting a place um a situation a character a a kind of emotional vibe sometimes just um and that will start me off and so I note all of those bits and pieces down and then periodically I come back to my folder of ideas and I've got clippings from magazines and all sorts of things just something that's just I thought oh that's interesting that's tugging at me not exactly sure what it is and it won't be like a fully fleshed idea it would just be the start yeah. of something and then sometimes it'll be oh this character would work well in that setting when I start putting some of the ideas mm. together mm-hmm. then I can sometimes come up with a story uh, but yes particularly writing women's fiction at the moment the, the market is a bit challenging and I hear from my editor all the time that I have to have that all-important hook, that thing that I could explain my book in In one one to two sentences. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and it instantly, publishers and readers will go, oh, I want to know more about that, I want to read that Mm. book. But coming up with those killer ideas isn't easy.
0: (laughs) Oh, absolutely Um, not. But I love what you said about taking inspiration from lots of different places. Because I know a lot of authors or writers say, I always find the character first or I always find the story first. Um, I'm very similar to you. I just have ideas of lots of different things and it's the same thing. You just jot them down and you're like, "I'll, I'll piece it all together a little bit later. Um, But when you're doing your writing process, when you're bringing all of those ideas together, do you plan it out meticulously or
1: do you just go with the flow? Uh, I'm kind of a bit of both although more on the planning side. Mm. So over the years I think when you're writing something like romance or women's fiction it's very character led and I find quite often what I need to do and it's more about their journey their emotional journey than it is about you know car chases and explosions and things mm-hmm. like this. So what I really need to do first is dig down into my characters and work out what's making them tick and if I've got an idea for a plot sometimes that will give me an idea for what sort of person they might be, and what sort of issues they've got, they've got, and how they might need to change over the course of the book. Um, and so I'll, I've got some questions that I use where I dig down into that, and once, and then I use the plot to kind of push them into changing so the plot has to be really crafted to to push the character at where I want the characters to want to go eventually and hopefully be interesting and exciting as well um so I start with characters and really dig deep and build those and then it's a case of well what's going to happen to this person then normally I've got some ideas of like a situation they might be in or something and then it's a case of once I know the character stuff well where do I want them to end up what you know what might the ending be if I haven't already had an idea of that and and then then it's a case of trying to dig in and work out what happens along the way which I think is the hardest part I kind of the beginning is pretty easy you've got your initial situation and thing that happens and quite often I know like the disaster that's going to happen somewhere near the end and what will happen at the ending moment and then the end the bit in the middle, particularly once I finish setting the story up, is like a wasteland with tumbleweed rolling through
0: it. Yeah, and, just <laughs> and, it's like kind of...
1: and I get stuck. <laughs> and I have to go, like, oh, okay, well, what's going to happen now? Where do I really want these people to go? What are the in between steps? And I think that's actually mm-hmm. the hardest bit for me. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I plan to a certain extent. But I I tend to, it's a bit like if my book was a journey, I know the kind of main, I'm going to turn left at this point and I'm going to go past that landmark at that point. But I don't know the actual detail until I get closer and I can kind of sit and I've written a bit more of the story. So I can't write the end of the book until maybe, I don't really know about the details until I'm about halfway through and I've really got to know what's going on. And it's like, okay, now I work and work out what's happening at the end. So it's a bit plotting and a bit not. Yeah. I think every
0: writer is different and I don't think there's, you know, any fixed way that someone should write a story. You know, there's no, you have to plan it out like this, or you have to write it like this. You know, I'm very much a pantser. I'll plan the bare minimum, like the bare, bare bones, because if I plan it all out, I'm going to change it anyway. So I've just given myself double the work. Like I'm my Ocean's Daughter trilogy at the moment. Book three is a big question mark. Like I kind of have an idea of where I want my characters to be at the end of the book and then the rest is a mystery. I'll figure it out when I sit down (laughs) at my laptop. (laughs) But it's kind of terrifying when it's a trilogy because you've written two books that have built up to something and then you're kind of like, (laughs) what's going to happen? I have readers asking me right now, what's happening in book three? And I'm like, you'll
1: have to wait and find out. And so (laughs) will I. (laughs) I know that's terrifying and I I really like the idea of pantsing and I've tried it and it works for a few chapters and then I just feel like I'm I'm lost in the woods walking round and round and Mm. ending up at the same point and not really knowing where I'm going so I I feel I find I need something like even if it's just what I know what's happening in the next sequence of scenes then if I plan that out at least I can get to that point and then stop and look around and go okay where do I need to go next but if I try and write without planning at all I end up just writing absolute drivel. Um, yeah, because it so. does, it
0: does all kind of blur together. You know, I have like, I don't know if you have this, I think it's like a phenomenon with authors, but I'll have readers be like, I love what you wrote in chapter 16. And I'm sitting here like, what's what's in chapter 16? Like,
1: I have literally no idea. No. <laughs> people have asked me about things I said oh this is so clever you put this in and it was just like a minor detail that I didn't really think about and yet um maybe you know sometimes I do plan those tiny tiny details and nobody ever sees them but yes it's like someone say oh yes this chapter and that chapter I think "Mm." I quite often don't put my chapter my scenes into chapters until Mm -hmm. right at the end Mm -hmm. at the book I'll just write a long list of scenes and and then I'll work out how they they go into chapters afterwards so I won't remember what chapter number it is anyway and I do really short chapters so if I've got 60 chapters in my book I won't I won't remember (laughs) oh that's a lot of chapters
0: (laughs) that's a lot I'm very guilty of writing very long chapters and very disorganized chapters um But you said, going back to um, your kind of first foray into publishing, and you said you Mm -hmm. wrote 18 books. When did you decide to make a shift, make a change? Uh,
1: Well, I think I'd always wanted right from the get-go to maybe write more commercial fiction, um, kind of, I suppose, mainstream fiction that you would see in a different part of the the, the bookshop uh, to a Mills and Boon which tend to have their own little corner if they're stopped at all. Um, and I'd, I probably was about five years in and thinking, I really want to try and carve out some time to see if I can write a longer book, but still meet mm-hmm. my deadlines. But I was writing maybe three books a year at that point. Wow. Um, and Harlequin actually in the UK asked me, would I take one of my Christmas books and make it longer? And they were going to market it um, as a standalone commercial fiction book, but still with the Mills and Brune imprint and see if they could attract more readers by kind of branching out. So Mm. I I did that and I really enjoyed doing that. And then um, I think because that did um, okay when it came out, I then was thinking okay now I really want to write a longer book Um, because like I say I waffle on for ages and you can't have many subplots and extra characters in a short romance and I was itching to kind of write more than just of that one central relationship Um, just you know stretching my wings doing something different and um, I was just trying to work out how am I Am I going to delay a deadline so I can start writing this book? When one of the editors at Harlequin, because um, they published lots as well as as Mills and Boone. They've got, they had a commercial fiction imprint at the time as well, um, phoned me up and said, Would you like a two-book contract? Did you write longer fiction? At which point I bit her hand off and said, Yes. <laughs> Cause that, <laughs> that's just what we're... and it was perfect because it was just one of those like serendipitous moments because then I didn't have to actually juggle all my deadlines they were quite happy to to push some of my deadlines back to allow me to do both because it was all with the same publisher Mm -hmm. um and so that's that's how I started writing the longer books and then Harper Collins bought Harlequin so now I've ended up kind of moving across and working um with the team so it's it's almost like working it feels like working for a different publisher I think there's hardly any the same staff left and things have changed quite a lot and things have been rebranded and redone um so yes I haven't actually moved anywhere but I kind of have worked with different bits of the same publisher if you know I mean different imprints
0: and what is it like you know day-to-day working with a publisher you know being a professional author what is because I think there's a lot of romanticizing that goes on um when you think about all oh, the life of an author and obviously yes you're if you're a JK Rowling or an EL James or you're gonna write the next Twilight then yes you're gonna be a millionaire amazing um but what is it
1: yeah what's it like in reality um well definitely in terms of uh, the pay it's <laughs> people think I must live in a mansion somewhere and I think the average author in the uk i think the society of authors did a um a study and they worked out it's i think it was it's about 16000 or is it £11,000? So it's like less than if you were working full-time minimum wage. Yep. Um, so most authors have another job, even if they are working, you know, with a big traditional publishing house. Um, I've had some years where I've done be- much better than that and some years where I haven't done as well as that. And even within the last five years, I've had years like that. And you'd think once you have an established career that um that you'd kind of be on a fairly even keel but it's just not the case it's contract to contract it's whether the supermarket takes your book or not will impact the sales and whether you get lots of sales it's whether your publisher is really pushing the book for you and spend having that marketing spend so that makes a big difference um, the, i mean you, mentioned, plus, I think, you mentioned you mentioned
0: supermarkets there is that because obviously i think everyone thinks about bookstores but would you say that supermarkets are arguably a better market for
1: selling your book oh in terms of volume yes which okay. is where the definitely definitely that's what every traditionally published author wants they want supermarket slots as many as possible um i think my agent said to me you won't get on the sunday times bestseller lease with list without without at least three supermarkets
0: wow okay
1: because because the smaller bookshops even waterstones just don't sell the same volume um so yeah well yeah I mean you're going to get on a bestseller list you need supermarkets
0: yeah I mean busy people if they're just going about their weekly grocery shop and they see a book that they've heard about they'll be like oh I'll go pick that up but you know the amount of people the amount of traffic going in supermarkets is a lot more versus you know a bookstore I I do completely understand that yeah
1: but unfortunately supermarket space for books is also shrinking Um, so there's a lot of competition and I would say you know if your book doesn't go in the supermarket it kind of it doesn't necessarily sell you know it might only sell a thousand copies in print or not even that whereas you can you know I think my last one did about 9,000 in print because it was in Tesco's. Um, that's and, good. Uh, th- yeah, it did quite well um, in there. I think TikTok helped. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> um, definitely. Because so, um, uh, I did a video about going to see my book in Tesco's and it kind of I went saw a it. bit viral.
0: I think that's the first one of your videos that I saw. And yeah, it works. I went and I bought your book. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm going to read yeah. this. It was very good. Um, I did cry. Um,
1: uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> evil. I love it when people cry reading my books um but yes, yeah, so that that was the first video I had that really did huge numbers, and I think that that probably helped you then. my publisher would also manage to get it in the recommended read slot and um so it was kind of easy to find um so they they and they did a lot more marketing with this book than some of my previous ones mm. because i was there a reason for actually, that um Well, it was kind of, I had one of those bad publishing years the year before where I was finished my contract and you have to then pitch a new idea to your publisher to, you know, hopefully they'll then offer you another contract. And I pitched an idea to them and my editor left. So it kind of rolled on a bit. And then the new editor was like, well, I'm not quite sure this is hitting the spot. It hasn't got enough of a hook. Um, we're really starting to have to, to push down on those kind of things and um, so I talked to my agent she said well why don't you try this we re- re- reworked it again um, we then sent it back to the publisher she still wasn't sure about it. it's like we really like the idea but it's this is with traditionally publishing you have to be kind of easily put into your little slot of how they know how to market you which yeah. is where I think so self-publishing and indie publishing you can really kind of try things that maybe a publisher is a bit nervous about doing yeah. because they want to know yes I think this will sell and they were like we're not just quite sure how to market this book it could go this way could they were well, you'd have to rewrite it again and I went back to my um, agent and said if I have to rework this book again I'm, I'm going to you know bang my head against the wall don't make me do it um so we were talking about the fact that everyone seemed to want kind of big romantic novels at the time epic romances and my agent said would you be interested in writing another book a bit like one I'd done called The Other Us which was a bit of an unusual epic mm. love story with a bit of time travel and stuff in it so I went back to the drawing board and came up with a couple of ideas and my my agent said yep yeah, write this one um okay. and we pitched it to them and this was after a year of ideas going backwards and forwards so I had nothing that year hardly yeah and i think I that's something in advance.
0: yeah that's something that people don't realize you know the time that it takes you know i'm lucky with indie like if i write a book one day i could literally publish it the next day if everything is ready whereas if you're working on the traditional side of things you've got to wait for everyone else to be ready and also to be happy with the idea you're pitching and Yeah, I I didn't realize that before I I was an author, that there's so much of writing for the market and knowing within your genre, like what readers want to read. Because when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I always just thought, oh, I have this idea for a story. I'm going to write that and a publisher will take it and then it will sell. (laughs) And it doesn't quite work like that. You know, you could have, sorry, I'm like rambling now, but someone explained it to me of 10 years ago, it was all about vampires everyone wanted (laughs) everyone wanted to read and write about vampires you had a vampire romance novel it would get picked up it would sell these days well obviously my genre is fantasy so that's what I'm clued up about nowadays fairies it's all about all about the fae it is all about the fae no one wants vampires anymore everyone wants the fae and now I'm hearing that similar in romance do you struggle with that with saying okay I need to leave this story and write something that people want to read
1: I think actually sometimes it's a case of um, finding the story you want to write that can be packaged in a way or you can add some kind of hook into it that also works with what's going on currently so it's not that you necessarily have to completely write scrap all your ideas it's like Mm. what at the moment I'm writing writing books hopefully that have a big emotional punch but they're kind of quite heartwarming and uplifting as well and it's a case of well what idea is it I suppose what I'm looking for with my editor is can we find that idea that has the the emotion enough emotional punch to it Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where sometimes the struggle is at the moment so I've been busy backwards and forwards discussing different ideas last week with my agent and editor and trying to work out what where could the next book go uh, yeah. but yes but that's the thing and what you're saying about how quick it is with indie publishing that's the other thing people don't realize the waiting you have to be patient if you're traditionally published you can hand a book in and wait two months three months six months for edits um and then you have to do them and then you might wait again to hear something and when you submit stuff it takes it just it's sometimes torturously slow and uh, I am I am kind of cooking up some ideas to republish some of my backlist that I've now got rights back to. And the idea of being able to make all the choices myself and the timing myself and not have to wait for other people is actually quite uh, thrilling.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we're hearing more and more these days there are some very well-established, traditionally published authors and they have the luck of people knowing their name. Um, So they have a market waiting there for them who are deciding with new books that are not yet contracted, hey, I'm going to publish this myself. Because if you have the market and you're selling a lot of books, there's also quite a decent amount of money to be made in indie publishing, much more so than in traditional. Because, you know, your your publishing house is not going to take a cut, neither is your editor, neither is, you know, your agent if you have one. But if you don't have the market, Mm -hmm. being an indie author is so difficult. You're lucky if you're going to sell two, maybe three books a month. Um, That's kind of the standard. And even then, you know, there's people that sell less. Um, I know you're very present on TikTok. So um, how much do you think marketing as an author yourself is important in both worlds?
1: I think it's definitely important. I mean, I've I've looked into things like I have run Facebook ads and um, I tried Amazon ads on my book just to see if I could give it a boost, but I'm only taking a tiny percentage. Like I get yeah. maybe six percent of the cover price. Sixty seven percent of cover is pretty standard for a print book. Um an author. And that's so, your royalties
0: um, after your yeah. author
1: advance. Yeah. Yeah. Explain so explain actually, that a
0: little bit for for my listeners that don't quite understand how authors maybe get paid traditionally.
1: All right. Well, if you're working for one of the big publishers, um it works this way. Some of the smaller presses don't may not give an advance that you might get only royalties. Uh but normally what happens is when you sign a contract, you will get an offer of a um an advance on any future royalties. So it's not a lump sum you have to let me i i'm getting ahead <laughs> of myself um <clears throat> so basically for example they might say to you um you know we would like to give off you a two book contract that's um ten thousand pounds per book um and when you sign the contract quite often you will get something like a third of your advance for each book when you sign the contract you then will get another third for the book when you um ha- it's been edited to the ex- when it's been accepted for publication basically so it's been through the rounds of edits and they feel it's ready to publish and you'll get the final chunk of your advance when the book is published and um, you basically don't get any more money unless your book sales meet like the ten thousand pounds for that book until that pot has been filled with money they're earning from selling the books you don't get any more money so some books never earn out their advances and that's a risk the publisher I think the publisher tends to earn enough even if you don't earn out your advance Mm -hmm. unless it's they've given you a really massive advance but that's why you know some people might have uh, an advance in the hundreds of pounds and some authors might be offered you know seven figures um or whatever and it really depends on how many books the publisher thinks they can sell and yeah. not many get the really <laughs> get and this the really is, huge ones. <laughs> yeah I mean this is why people
0: say that if indie books sell well there can be quite a lot of money made because you know you just said that your royalty for each book sold is six to seven percent. Um, if you're on Kindle as an indie it's 70%. And if you're yeah. in print as an indie it's around 40 so you are making much more per book but then obviously extrapolate that how many books are you actually selling
1: um that's the trade-off with mm -hmm. um the with the traditional publishing you do get that opportunity to have the distribution and you have that team behind you who will market and but again not all authors get the same kind of push and marketing and distribution as everyone else like I have had books that haven't even gone into a bookshop I haven't seen on a bookshelf they've only been really available to order online or if someone's gone in and uh, to the bookshop and asked for them mm. so it even if you're traditionally published you can end up not seeing your book anywhere it's it's just such a gamble sometimes uh, yeah. but I suppose that I know that if I do start to do something with my backlist titles I have a massive learning curve ahead of me particularly when it comes to marketing because I haven't had to do lots of that yet but I am finding well. I mean, TikTok you're doing it very well. Effective, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, no, I think I think your TikTok
0: videos are great. What made you decide to make the leap into starting to do TikTok?
1: <laughs> uh, lockdown and. Mm. Uh, daughters who were at the time I think 18 and 23 who were constantly giggling over something on their phone and we're all stuck in the house together bored and I'm like what are you laughing at now it's TikTok and in the end I said okay like show me this so I like I downloaded it and two hours later I looked up and went where did the time go Mm -hmm. because I'd just been giggling away or entertained or you know watching people live their lives in different parts of the world yeah and I thought oh this is fun but then the author part of me said well I couldn't find many authors on there at the time. I could maybe find 10 or so. And I looked really hard. Um, there was a few writing coaches and things like that on there. Um, and I thought yikes there's not many authors on here but I knew that for example I didn't get going with Twitter when it first started and I kind of feel like I missed the boat to build a following and I didn't really get going with Instagram that that you know I kind of jumped on the bandwagon way after everyone else had and again still and I knew that watching you know how the rise of YouTubers that my daughters followed you know that if you jump on something early there's more of a chance to build a following before everyone catches on so I yeah. thought I have no idea if this can work for authors but there are a couple of other authors on there I'm going to jump on I'm going to give it a go and see if I can maybe get to a few thousand followers before other people start Waking up to it could be a complete waste of time but um but then I really enjoy it actually. I think you with as an author you've got to find social media that kind of clicks with you and i i can't can't be doing I used to like Instagram when I could just take photos of like what I was doing with my phone and it didn't have to look too pretty and perfect yeah. but I haven't got t- time to kind of set things up to make because my my life and my house is definitely oh not my perfect. goodness <laughs> if, you look at, if
0: you look at some of the bookstagram like grids, I know they're just beautiful like the
1: pressure is too much <laughs> absolutely. absolutely so I like TikTok but I feel like people you know because people will bored silly during the first lockdown we had here and they were just doing stupid things you know ordinary people being really funny or really entertaining or having useful interesting things today interesting hobbies and I thought well this is something I feel like people you're seeing the real person on TikTok a lot of the time it's a bit hard to hide when it's video and you you know you haven't got a studio and proper lighting and all that kind of stuff it's just you with your phone filming yourself um and I, I kind of thought, well, I'll give that a go. But yes, it was a bit difficult because I'm I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> yeah, but you're giving, kind of- <laughs>
0: I think people really like your, your TikTok because you do give quite a lot of advice, you know, to authors. And while I am an author, I am absolutely in no position to be giving people advice on like how to get published or how to write a book or, you know, even some of the more intricate little details of, planning a story and characterization and all of these other things that you know you talk about so you know you are providing something incredibly important that people want to consume um but because you do give such fantastic advice um please tell people what your tiktok username is so that they can find you
1: oh i'm at fiona lucas author yes just all one all run together
0: yeah and if you if there, I'm sure there's budding authors listening but if you could give them some advice as to you know if someone is really wanting to pursue the traditional
1: route what would your advice be to them um finish your book first. the first <laughs> thing you have to do is finish a book because until you well until you've got that Um, particularly your first timer you need a finished manuscript but also I think if you're approaching editors and agents they also want to know that you've already managed to do that because a lot of people start and they never manage to finish so the fact that you've actually completed a manuscript is a good sign Um, and it's good for you to not give up and to actually push all the way through rather than just going I hate this book I'm going to start something new because every single author I know thinks that at some point when they're writing a book the amount of times I think it's the worst thing I've ever written and it's actually if I didn't have a deadline and if I hadn't agreed with my publisher to deliver it I'd just give up and write something else but actually that's just part of the writing process Mm -hmm. and you um, I think that and the fact that um, don't expect every what comes out to be perfect I think people are so hard on themselves that they compare what they're writing in their first draft to this book that is on the shelf that maybe has been through multiple rounds of edits um, and it's a bit like Um, comparing you know the rough diamond you've just dug out the ground to the polished gem you know the hope diamond or something and it's just not at the same stage so people kind of scare themselves off writing anymore because they think what they're writing isn't good enough and actually I'd say just write it down that's what editing is for that's what tidying it up is for it will get better but if you don't ever if you let the fear stop you writing you're never going to do it so I think one of the biggest things Well, actually, I think all writers, it's not just beginner writers struggle with, is the fear that actually we're not good enough. Someone's going to work it out one day and no no one will ever publish what we write again or at all.
0: (laughs) No, I think I honestly that is that is really good advice, because just like you said, sometimes you'll write a book and you'll finish the manuscript, but it's either not quite ready or not quite what someone's looking for. And then you can rework it later on. I know I have novels I wrote when I was younger that I absolutely will never publish because they are terrible. But is there a good idea there? I think so. So, you know, you can rework that in later years. So absolutely. Just get words down on a page.
1: Yes. Yes. I think I can't remember. I think it's been attributed to Nora Roberts, the uh, ultra prolific romance writer says you can't fix a blank page.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: So, yeah, and it's like, so I have a friend actually who used to um, have a post-it note on her desk that she used to say that, that it's where she said um, that she gave herself pers- permission to just write crap. Because sometimes <laughs> you have to write not that actually the finished book is going to be that way but you have to kind of take that internal editor out of your head yeah. that's criticizing you sitting on your shoulder just get the words out they're quite often better than you think they are when you write them but read them back and if they're not you can delete them or write some different ones but at least you've got the idea going then and you've yeah. you've gone okay well, now i know what i don't need now maybe i can work out what i do need i i do a lot of that deleting scenes i decided i that's the wrong way i went down the wrong path and but I, did, I can't work out the right path until I've gone down the wrong path, if yeah. you know what I mean. And so not to be scared of making mistakes when you're writing because it can all be fixed or changed or done differently. Absolutely.
0: I think, you know, that's fantastic advice. And for sure, my listeners have learned a lot um, from hearing you today. Before we go, can you please tell them where they can find your most recent novel and what it's called?
1: Um, it's called The Last Goodbye and um it can be found probably nowadays because it's we're now about a year away from when the last the paperback was released you won't probably find it in a supermarket you might find it lurking in, in the bookshelf but not on a table <laughs> it'll be on the shelf somewhere yeah. or on amazon yes. <laughs> or online retailers bookshop.org as well if you want to support local bookshops um Perfect. if you're ordering online
0: Yep. So that's the last goodbye by Fiona Lucas. But thank you so, so much for taking the time to sit down and chat with me today. It has been an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, it's been lovely to chat to you, Hazel. Yay.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please do not forget to like, rate and subscribe. Sharing on social media is always a bonus. And don't forget to tag me at Dreaming with Hazel. I'll catch you guys next week.